If you have your scripture, I would like to invite you to join me in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. If you look up, uh, who has it in the Pew Bible? I, and I do this intentionally. Oh, I could write it down in the bulletin, but then we're not involved as a community. And that's what I want. I want us to be involved. In what page is it? Eight? Nine, one, eight. Very good. And we're going to begin with the first chapter, with the first verse. We're going to go through verse six, and then we'll skip through 30, back down to 31, and we'll finish with 39. So listen to and for the word of the Lord. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Mouthful. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared the end to to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. For those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace what shall we say about such wonderful things as this if god is for us who ever can be against us since he died since he did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all won't he also give us everything else Who dares to accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. No one. For God himself has given us the right standing with him. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened or death? As scripture says, for the sake of we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelmingly victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, 
nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears or today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing, nothing, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed through Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of the Lord. You see, if I would have read this in Miami, the way I read it now, and I finished it right now, some Christians would have felt to accompany the finishing with an applause. Not for me reading, but for what God just told us. So I'm going to read that last verse. And I'm going to see if within us we have the freedom to praise God in a different way. No power in the sky above or on earth below. Indeed, nothing, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Praise God. That's worship. When a good reading, a good theology inspires you, don't hold back. Let the joy that just come out flow. You see, because in the series that we're teaching, today I want to talk about a new way of feeling. A new way of, of, of feeling is, is basically uh, predicated in the fact, in the simple fact that our emotions are a gift from God. How many of you realize that our emotions are a gift from God? It is part of the package. Oh, that they are broken, that they are more negative emotions and positive feelings. That all that is part, but it is part of the entire package. You see, feelings, emotions, passions may be scary. They may even be tricky. They will betray you, right? Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. Sometimes the emotions tend to control you. Sometimes you can control and manage them. But the idea is that feelings are a gift from God. Just as every decision we are able to make is a gift from God, our emotions, that little package. That, by, by the way, the word emotion in the Latin where the Vulgata is translated means emovere. Is the word that, what word did you hear in English? Emovere. Move, movement. It, exactly. It, it, it is what gives you the energy, the psychological, spiritual, emotional energy to move forward in life or to stay paralyzed in life and go backward. It's the energy that God uses in our lives to inspire us through passions, emotions, and feelings. And they are God's. You see, and we have these feelings because... The way we feel will many ways be determined by what you believe. If you believe that God is a God of angry, of anger, that God is a God who is waiting for you to make the next, next mistake, to hit you over the head, that everything that happens bad is because you must have done something bad to God? Is that what Scripture teaches about God? No. So, but there is that theology out there that every time I do something because I did something wrong and God is punishing me. How many of you grew up 
hearing your parents say, don't do that because the Lord will punish you. Come on, Baptist. Give it up. I know you're here. You grow And Catholics, oh my goodness, they were experts at that. But that's a myth that may have worked in child rearing, but it created a lot of problems with religion later on in the relationship with people and God. Because there is an idea that if I have bad feelings, God has abandoned me. There is an idea that if I have too many feelings, I'm scaring God away. No. The way you feel, many times, not always, is determined by what you believe. So Paul is giving us here an interesting, an interesting view into some truths, some new ways of seeing things, some new ways of feeling things, some new way of walking in the reality of God. And he's telling us that we have we can have a new way of feeling in our life when we acquire a new way of believing in our lives. Uh, the, the first statement, well, let, let me stay with this, please, because I'm getting too excited here. Feelings are feelings. They are positive feelings, negative feelings. I looked into a, into a chart in, online, and I found many charts about feelings, actually, but I found something in common. Feelings are divided between positive and negative feelings. Some of them are between. I believe that some negative feelings are good for us. They also move us out of stuff, like survival fear. Okay, that's a good one. I also think that some positive feelings are overwhelmed and oversold and they're too much. But one thing I noticed in every chart that I looked, in every chart that was comparing positive feelings versus negative feelings, you know what I found out? That every list had more Negative, harmful feelings, description words, than positive one. Almost two to one. In one of them, there were 460 words describing negative feelings and tend to, tend to harm. Well, the, the same organization posted 260 versus 200, 450. So there seems to be a, 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 a monopoly or, or at least a predominance of negative feelings. How many of you experience negative feelings on a daily basis? I'm going to assume that if you're not raising your hand, you're not here with me. <laughs> oh boy. Don't send me back to Miami, okay? But Jesus himself experienced feelings. Actually, let me tell you a secret. Jesus was a very passionate person. Think about it. Many of the parables that he spoke about ended up in being joyful. Many of the stories that he spoke about ended up with, ah. So can you imagine Jesus telling a story just like a recording talking like this, and it sounds like he's telling a story, so everybody is going to respond to him. No. He told stories with movement. He told stories when he told about the people crying, he was probably making believe like if they were crying. Telling the story. Jesus was passionate. That is why he was able to connect with people. Hello, they were not Anglos. They were Israelis. They were Middle Easterners. Who, when they get happy, they don't do this. You know what they do? Have you heard it? 
Tell me if that's not passionate. If you look at the movies, the most recent movies of Jesus, you hear that. When the person is risen or the, or, or the lame person is, is giving up the, the, the walker, you're the background of the rejoicing of the people in the Middle East. That's how they express it. Jesus was also experienced rejection. He experienced betrayal. Oh, he experienced sadness as he wept before the cities, as he wept before people's attitudes. He came to his own, and his own rejected him. How do you think that feels? So Jesus was moved by passion. He's not an stoic figure that doesn't have any feelings. Actually, there's an argument if when he went into the temple, just as he walked into Jerusalem, and he overturned the, the, the tables of the money changers, did he lose his control? Or was he really intentionally expressing anger, frustration in a very passionate manner? That's what it was. It was real to him, the, the, the change, what has happened in the temple of death and business instead of spirituality. Paul, in our text, has an amazing way of dealing with feelings. Kind of hidden way of dealing with feelings. He, was, he, has, he, was, uh, he, he basically expresses the feelings were a result, and Paul really thought this, that feelings were a result of right thinking. If you have the right thinking about God, if you have the right attitude about God, and I'm saying right or perhaps healthier attitude about God, then your feelings will be encouraged. Notice how the passage says, but letting the Spirit control your minds leads to life, and peace, that's a feeling. And don't we all want peace in our hearts in spite of the storm? That's what it is. So in order for us to, so, so I'm thinking, if we have a new way of feeling, we must get, if we want that new, new way of feeling, we must get a new way of believing. And here's what it gets very interesting because we go to our text. The first, cha- the first verse says, there is no condemnation to those who what? Who belong to Christ. Uh, uh, other versions talk about it. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Being in Christ and belonging to Christ seems to be the same thing. Now, if I were to ask you the question, do you belong to Christ? I hope to hear a resounding, praise God, hallelujah, I do. I do. Not I do. I do. Okay, because if you answer, I hope so, listen. Because the first verse says, there is no condemnation. doesn't matter whether you hope or not. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. Now the question is, and please get your hands from under your seat, get your hands from wherever you got them right now, and the question is, unfold them. Do you belong to Christ? Amen. So there is no condemnation. There is no guilt. There is no shame. 
we are free. We are free of guilt. We are free of shame. The only thing that's keeping us back and down, you know what it is? Self-rejection. And our pride to what others will think about me. I gave that up a long time ago. I didn't have much break about that. What others thought about me. I really gave that up. So there is that idea that there is no condemnation when God accepts us. And that's right there in the verse 1. Now, if you know that God has openly accepted you and there is no condemnation, how does that make you feel? Free. Free. Hallelujah. What else? Okay, you see how a new way of thinking now helps a new way of feeling? See now how a healthy way of thinking about God can create a wholesome way of living in life? That's what we're talking about. Second, in the text, we see the invitation that we belong. Now, you, we, we can tell you that you belong to a family, right? And, and I don't have any relatives that I can think of, maybe he died already, who, who were members of our family, but they just didn't feel like they were members of the family. Or they exercised that self-rejection. I have so many bad things. I'm so ashamed of what I have done with my life that I now don't even dare to come close to my family. Self-rejection. And yet, in the text itself, twice, in the first verse, it says, Belong, belong. There is no condemnation for those who belong. And if you belong to him, you've got power. So belonging is very important. God is inviting you. Oh, he can make you part of the family. But if you don't step into and make it and embrace it, and you become part of that belonging then we're missing the point. It is not about coming to church and punching a card an hour. Thank you, an hour 15 here. <laughs> uh, it's not about that. It is about living a life of peace, joy, and freedom in your feelings. 1 Corinthians 2.23 says, And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. What an assertion. Romans 8, in the middle of the verses that we didn't read, this is how the Spirit of God wants to be joined, wants to be joined, not out here, out here. This is what verse 16 says, and God's Spirit joins with your spirit. Now notice the text, if you have your Bible open, when it talks about God's Spirit, it's using a capital S. When it's talking about our spirit, it's using a small s. That's how you can distinguish when it's talking about our spirit or God's Spirit. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm, to confirm, to let you know for sure, for sure, for sure that you are God's children. Any doubt? So you belong. Now, if you were to believe God and not hope for maybe I'll belong... No, you belong. Now, how does that make you feel? Yeah, really? There you go, you see? So obviously, if we want to have a new way of feeling, we need to adopt a new way of thinking and believing. And lastly, so that we can go home and watch the game. Is there any games tonight? I just know it's football season because I've been told by the powers. But this is the kind of love that God has for us. It's inseparable. 
We cannot run away. We've known the psalm. If I run away to the deepest part of the ocean, you are there. If I run away to the highest parts of heaven, hello, you are there. If I go down to sail, even you are there. Where can I go from your presence? Why would we even want to be away of his presence? When we hear words like, nothing is going to separate us. When we hear Paul saying, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither fear for today or worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. My goodness. And if you really believe that... How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? If you really believe that, how does that make you feel? You see, Jesus said it very shortly. He said it very shortly in, in, in John 8, 31. I finished with this. The truth shall make you free. Simple. If we want to have healthier feelings... We have to adopt healthier beliefs. Come to Jesus and he will teach you a new way to walk, a new way to see, a new way to feel. But next week we're going to talk about a new way to live. Amen.